to my gorgeous, gorgeous girls, and welcome back to another episode of Miss Congeniality. I'm really excited for this week's episode. This is a guest episode, but I'm going to obviously chit chat with you guys a little in the beginning. But the guest, like the conversation we had literally changed my life, which obviously I learned from all my guests, but this was a whole nother level. Her name is Taylor Elise Morrison, and she is so many things. But basically what she is, is she turned being, quote, bad at self-care into a career and kind of she discards the idea of like aspirational wellness and makes it really palatable and approachable. She's the founder of a media company called Inner Workout and the author of a book by the same exact name. And she builds businesses and content and experiences that make well-being and self-care and personal development more accessible, which I just think is so incredible. She's also the CEO of Jubilant. She's a speaker, a facilitator, a coach. Like she just is everything. And, you know, with all those credentials and somebody who has really changed the self-care landscape, I was kind of like nervous to interview her because I was like, this is someone who just knows her shit. Like this is just someone who must be so mentally well. And what I really found is that she's also one of the greatest people that I've ever had the privilege of having on this podcast. She's so nice and she just makes everything she says so digestible and approachable. So I'm really excited because I think just going along with last week's episode, really leaning into the self-care of it all and how approachable self-care can be is so important for us. So I'm so excited for that. But obviously, let's get into some updates. First, obviously, media, television, film, what have you. So I did start watching the show Jury Duty and I have to tell you guys. So basically the concept of the show, it's by the creators of The Office, I believe, which surprised me that I liked it because I don't like The Office. I find that it looks like a home video. But what this is, how this is different is basically everybody in it is an actor in enacting like Jury Duty and a like trial except for one guy who has no idea that everybody else is actors like he thinks that basically this company um the United States judicial system allowed this company to sort of like make a documentary about the inner workings of American jury systems and like they got the sign off to like talk to a jury and like get testimonials and like kind of track the experience with cameras and like that's the waiver that he signed like he was like okay yeah like I'll be a part of this jury like I'll do that and so he thinks that they're just like making a documentary but what's really happening is that everyone's punking him and he's the only person that has no idea and they all are doing the fucking weirdest shit ever and I have not laughed out loud like wheezing uncontrollably at a tv show in so long it's also the most palatable thing ever 25 minute episodes and the guy who like doesn't know who's getting punked like he's adorable my crush of all crushes James Mardson is in it and he plays himself like he gets called to jury duty but he's like super pompous guys like I don't want to give spoilers, but run, don't walk. It's so good. Other than that, I've been trying to take a break from sort of dense television, like, you know, the how to get away with murder and SVU of it all. It just sort of like was bringing my vibe down, I think, and kind of making me nervous. I like noticed I wasn't sleeping as well. So I've been watching Dave as well, which is about the rapper Lil Dicky. And it's so good. So funny. Again, short episodes. They come out every Wednesday. So there's actually a new one today while I'm recording. And that's something I love. I'm reading Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which I heard was like everybody's favorite book of all time. I'm going to say something and I don't want everyone to freak out. I'm like probably 80, 90, maybe 100 pages in. And I think it's slow to start. I, if you don't want spoilers, I don't have really any, but basically like the inside cover of the book is about these two people who had a childhood together. They had a falling out and they come back together and they both design video games and they design a video game together that blows up and makes them like incredibly rich and famous. Like that's the premise of the book. Um, I'm guessing they fall in love. Who knows? 
I I'm about to be at the part where they finish the video game and it's going to blow up obviously. Cause I know that cause I read the back cover. Um, and all of the like exposition leading up to them, um, like designing this video game has been really important. Like I can tell, like we needed to know, like we needed the background, but I'm kind of like, it's slow. And it's also a little bit, it's not super sciencey, but there are talking a lot about video games, which I'm not someone who's a gamer. I don't play video games. I'm not, it's not really my thing. And so for that, I'm kind of just like, meh, do you know what I mean? So far, I do love the writing and the character development. And I just, I haven't been like engrossed yet, but I think that's going to change because I can tell I'm going to like the book. Other than that, I'm embarrassingly so reading Eat, Pray, Love for the first time. After reading Elizabeth Gilbert's work of fiction, City of Girls, I just knew I had to get my hands on Eat, Pray, Love and read it. Um, I don't know why I had never read it before. I think... I think a variety of things. When I was younger, I really tried to look for myself in books. Like I would read books, especially when they're like nonfiction memoir that like I felt connected to the author in some way. And then over quarantine, I started just reading like whatever and like whatever was recommended. And I realized that like it's utter bullshit to only read things that like reflect you. It's very echo chambery. And that was more like my vibe when I was in like high school, college, I think like when Eat, Pray, Love came out. And so now I'm super into reading books that have like nothing to do with me. And obviously like I've never been divorced and I've never gone on a journey of like spirituality and love and all that stuff. And so I'm like absolutely loving it. It's so good. I haven't like gotten super far into it. I'm reading it on my Kindle, but I definitely think I will this weekend because I'm traveling to Michigan and I'm going to have some like downtime um, once I get there. And so, yeah, I'm traveling to Michigan this weekend to do a Q&A with a Michigan chapter of BBYO. I'm super excited, very honored that they invited me and it's going to be great. I'm also going to touch base with the kiddos in Ann Arbor afterward. Jess, my brother's girlfriend, is graduating next weekend. And that reminds me that I need to order her a gift. So thank you guys for allowing me to talk out loud at the level I have because it has reminded me that I need to get her a present. So I'm going to do that. Um, And so that's going to be really fun. And I think I'm going to have a lot of downtime in terms of like travel and just like in the hotel. But other than that, we had the best time in Austin. I know um, I didn't really post that much. And I actually think that was a good thing. And for a variety of reasons, like number one, obviously I posted like a ton, but like not as much as I normally do when I travel. Number one, like it was really nice for my brothers to meet my boyfriend's family. And like, I don't know, I, I didn't necessarily think that needed to be like broadcasted all over the internet. And slash, I don't want to. Um, but everybody got along really well, which is really special. I got some DMs being like, are you engaged? Absolutely not. First of all, you guys would know if I was engaged. I think that people don't understand my family dynamic but my family dynamic is very casual like I've brought home like so many guys to meet my parents just like because I don't care my parents are like super fucking chill and they have an open door policy so like growing up people were always at my house like whether it was like guys I had a crush on friends like my friends boyfriends like everything is kind of like open with my parents they were pretty strict growing up but like my family was raised to be super just like chill and open and so like my parents have met my boyfriend's parents and it was like casual and chill and like everyone's like well what if you broke up and I'm like I don't really care it was a nice memory they're nice people like my parents really got along with them I don't think my parents would regret ever meeting them like I just don't think it's that deep for us and I know that's not the case for everybody and I'm not judging you if that's not your case but what I'm just trying to say is like my brother's meeting his family is like not a big deal to anybody um like obviously it's like a big step I guess technically but I don't really believe in that I just like here's the thing. Like I love my boyfriend, love his family. I feel really close to them. I'm really close to his brothers, really close to his mom. 
and I'm really close to my brothers and I want my brothers to know people I love and hold close to me. Even if I broke up with my boyfriend and never saw his family again, like my brothers would not regret spending that weekend with them. Like it was fun and we made memories and like, who cares? Like people come and go in your life. So I think like a lot of people like thought that they were like, my brother like got a text from his friend being like, are is your girl, is your sister getting engaged? Is that why you're down in Austin? And he was like, no, um, honestly, it was a coincidence though. Like I booked the flights and then texted his parents like, Hey, just want to check if you guys are going to be in the Austin area. Like would be fun to grab dinner. And they were like actually there for something. Plus his brothers go to school there. So we just had the best time. And like, I, we went on a boat on um, Lake Austin, which is absolutely insane. And the real estate is fucking insane. Like that is my new dream to like live on Lake Austin. But we were on the boat and like the sun was shining. We were all just like singing and dancing and like having margaritas and swimming. And I was just like looking around, like the amount of gratitude that I have for my life is so immense. Like I will never take a day like that for granted. It was one of my favorite Saturdays I've had in probably 2023 we just had the absolute most fun and like I don't know I just felt so like happy and safe and loved and cared for and like even if we broke up like that wouldn't that feeling wouldn't go away and I'll always remember that day and so it was really special again like I really think though like if you can sort of push your life in the direction that it's like that things aren't a big deal if you want them to be a big deal let them be a big deal everyone's different but for me like it's not a big deal. Like my parents have met his parents. My parents have met his brothers. My brothers have met his brothers. Like I am the kind of person that like, I don't really care. And like, I don't regret anything. So like, I would never regret that. I think I would regret like getting engaged to the wrong person. Like that's different. But what I'm saying is like, it's just not that deep. And if your parents are really serious people, I can understand why it would be deep. I'm just lucky that my parents raised us in a very open door policy type of a situation where like, if you show up on a Sunday, we're feeding you and it doesn't really matter. So I think that that's why like the vibe is so like, c'est la vie. Like, I don't care. Um, and it was wonderful. Like they loved my brothers. We had so much fun. We went to their ranch and we like went on go-karts and I read my book and the portrait's beautiful and it was really lovely. So that was that. And obviously while that was going on, Coachella weekend one was happening. Um, I'm not a big Coachella girl. I like you guys know this about me. I'm not a big music festival girl. I did do Govball VIP last year and loved it. And I think I'll do it again because my brother and my boyfriend and my boyfriend's brother really want to go and I will happily take them if I have the opportunity. So I just think Coachella is a little too overwhelming for me. And I think for a really long time when I started doing social media, I was comparing myself to other people so relentlessly and like trying to like fit myself into being like them, whether it was like girls who made fashion content or whatever it may be, or just influencers in general, that I sort of like lost track of myself and my style and the things I like. And I think like a year or two ago, I would have like tried to go to Coachella because I would have thought that's what I was supposed to do, even though it doesn't bring me joy. And if it brings other people joy, I'm so happy for you, but it just like doesn't bring me joy. And I think I would have tried to like fit myself into that box. But now I've gotten to a place where I'm really comfortable being like, that's not my thing, but I'm happy for you if it's yours. And like, I'm never going to judge you for for your thing if you don't judge me for mine. And I have to say, though, like the content is one of my favorite content, like month, two weeks of the year is like looking at everyone's outfits. I've watched every single get ready with me. Like, I don't know if any mutuals on TikTok listen to my podcast, but like if you do and you were at Coachella, trust that I was watching your content, hyping up your pictures. I loved it all. You guys all looked beautiful and like you had so much fun. And I just think that that's like, I don't know, like I've been feeling 
a lot happier lately I think because I've let go of the need to be a certain thing or like do a certain thing or be a certain way and the old me would probably have forced myself to do something that would have made me miserable but the new me is able to just like look at people who that's their idea of joy and celebrate that with them and I just hope people can do the same for me for each other it just feels so good and I'm like so glad I don't know everyone just looks like they had a great time like literally like the celebs that were there like I don't know I love a celebrity makeout like they have to make out too like Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello cozying up it's adorable like it's just fun and joyful to experience um like from the other side of the screen and I am so grateful that I had the ability to do that and like enjoy and indulge in your content it was really awesome and I know you guys have been waiting for your touch grass of the week um, and this is it. So obviously there's a wicked movie coming out. If you didn't know, now you know. It's with Cynthia Revo and Ariana Grande. The first part's coming out in 2024. The second part's coming out in 2025. It's crazy. They decided to split it into two parts. Um, it's going to be everything. So Ariana Grande is playing Glinda and a lot of people are just like generally naysayers of this casting which is absolute bullshit because she got her start in theater. She was cast in Annie, the musical, and then also in Jason Robert Brown's 13, the musical. And she was a principal role in that. And that was like how she got cinched for Nickelodeon to do Victorious. So she she's a musical theater trained actress and vocalist. And I, I believe that really all they had to do to kind of like get her back there from her pop moments is in the last few years when she's kind of been a little AWOL they have been retraining her musical theater vocal stylings and kind of just revitalizing that sound and so a video came out of her singing it and everyone's like oh my god she's like oh my god she's like um lip syncing that that's Kristen Chenoweth and she's 100% not because people just don't know that like she's a trained vocal musical theater vocalist but also something that really bothers me about the whole thing is that people are really excited or slash eager for Ariana Grande to fail. Like they're like kind of like they want that. And I think this is something that we see so commonly online specifically with women. I think Michaela and Mascaragate is a really good example, but basically society and specifically, specifically internet culture, people don't like to see women, um, like succeed especially like strong opinionated powerful women and people really don't like to see women in power for a long period of time it like makes them uncomfortable and so with like Michaela and Mascaragi people were so excited to cancel her they were like overjoyed eager couldn't wait and it was kind of disgusting like I don't give a fuck what she did I don't care you don't get excited to celebrate another woman's downfall, specifically somebody who's made strides in an industry and made maybe a mistake. You don't get to be excited to celebrate her downfall. That's selfish. It's disgusting. It's judgmental. And it's the same thing with Ariana Grande. People think, oh, she's beautiful. She's talented. She's successful. She doesn't need anything else. She's been in power for far too long. It's time to deck her off her little, you know, she's power trip or whatever they think that she's on and we're going to pray for her downfall and and really encourage her to fail and we're going to be so excited when she does it's so awful and the reason that few women are able to stay in power for long periods of time a Beyonce a Lady Gaga for example is because they don't give anything to the press the media they don't feed into noise they don't really do interviews anymore they put out their music, they do their movies, they do their shit, they go on their tour, Taylor Swift. They're not, because when they have like given a lot to us, people are encouraging their downfall and failure because it's overexposure and people are like, oh, I need them to go away. 
it's so insane and and I think the example of Beyonce, Taylor Swift, and Lady Gaga as of late is really interesting. Taylor Swift less so because she still gets so much backlash, which is crazy to me. But you know what I'm saying? They don't give us much because the more they give us, the more people are like, mm, they're too powerful. They need to be done. They're on a power trip. They're, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And they start getting excited for their failure. And I think that that's a really big touch grass of the week. It's a much more macro issue, but it's something I'm noticing on my For You page with this Ariana Grande Glinda stuff. It's like people want her so badly to fail. And it's really, really disheartening, like really, really disheartening. And I just can't, I can't believe people are like that, that enthusiastic about another woman failing. So touch grass, uh, that is her singing. And now we're going to get into the episode. I'm so excited for this guest. I already explained to you exactly who she is. And so I don't know what better way than to just get into it. Thank you guys so much for listening to my podcast. If you could give us some good reviews, if you haven't lately, or give me a little five-star rating, we're really leveling everything up. We signed with this new podcast producer and we start in May and my new agents have a studio space that I can use. So I'm going to make a sign. I don't know. I'm just really excited to, to, to do this. It's, it means a lot to me and I, and I know it means a lot to many of you. Um, and I love you guys so much. I know I didn't give you any book updates, but you know what? We talk about that all the time. So just give yourself a hug and tell somebody you love that you love them and buy yourself a cookie and a coffee and let me know if you need anything. I love you guys so much. And I hope this episode and this interview is as lucrative to you as it was to me. See you next time. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another guest episode. I have hyped this guest up and I am so excited to talk to her. She has such a wealth of knowledge about self-care and kind of like making self-care a superpower, which I absolutely love. So please welcome to the show, Taylor Elise Morrison. Hello. Welcome to Miss Congeniality. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. So I kind of like people to explain themselves in their own words to start off, just because, of course, I gave you an intro. Of course, we know your bio, but tell us a little bit about you. Who are you? Kind of elevator pitch us on who is Taylor. Yeah. So I'm Taylor. I'm coming to you live from Chicago, where my dog is like chilling next to me by my feet. And I like to say that I develop leaders who care. And so a lot of that I do through my work at Inner Workout, my company, and with my book of the same name. And sometimes that looks like hanging out with high schoolers and having conversations about their relationships to their body. And sometimes that's working with leaders and helping them understand how to better care for themselves, but also how they can help the the people who work for them care for themselves as well. And yeah, I do fun things where I lead workshops for folks and talk directly to people as well, all about self-care, personal development, all those things. I love what you do because I feel like I, in high school, could have benefited so much. And even in college, because now, even now, obviously, but like when I really needed like a tool guide or like a way to navigate self-care in like an approachable way that didn't bring on guilt, that didn't make me feel sort of like unbalanced or anxious, like more anxious than I already was. So I feel like it's really lucrative that what you're doing spans like all age ranges. And it was like exactly what I wish I had when I was like 18. I love hearing that because I wish that too. Like so much of what I wrote was thinking about younger versions of me and what they needed. I love it. So before we get into all my questions about your work and self-care, I have a question that I ask all my guests and I think it's a little different. I don't think people get asked this a lot. So I'm curious 
for you to answer it. And the question is, what is your fatal flaw? And it is okay if this is a flaw that you've accepted. Like, I will not be changing this. Like for me, like I love to cancel plans. I'm likely not changing that anytime soon. So what is your fatal flaw? Yeah, my fatal flaw. This is such a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked this before. What's coming to mind for me is that like, I'm willing to change my mind and that can be a great thing, but it can also be like, we have a conversation and I was convinced of one thing and you see me a month later and I'm like, oh, now I actually don't believe that anymore. Yes. Wait, I feel that so much. And I haven't like talked about this on the pod yet, but I've been thinking about it a lot. I think that I love podcasts and I like obviously consume a lot of content for my job, but I think that it's starting to impact me in a way that it's not like I can't form my own opinions. It's like there's too much of other people's opinions in my brain and I'm like open to changing my mind. So I'm easily swayed in like a million directions and I don't like sit alone with my thoughts enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I think what's hard too is like, in general, there's so much nuance to conversations. And so what we're getting on like social media are these snapshots, but I want to get into like the in-between and the nuance and the paradox of life. I love that. Okay. So to get us started, can we talk a little bit about inner workout? Like when did you found this? Like what was like the itch? Like this needs, I need to fill a hole with this and tell us a little bit about what it is and yeah, kind of just give us the whole vibe. Yeah. So like you were saying, I founded this because a younger version of me needed it. I've always been pretty high achieving and I got to this point shortly after college where I just realized I was constantly in the cycle of burnout and overwhelm and I was practicing self-care the way that people talked about practicing Mm self-care and it wasn't working. Like just taking a bath for an afternoon wasn't getting rid of the burnout and the overwhelm and so I felt like I needed a way for me to practice self-care and that's how it started me doing my own work and then talking with other people and them being like oh wait we actually are having trouble with self-care too so I founded it back in 2019 it was a very different company back then but the goal was still the same to help people build the skill of self-care which I define as listening within and responding in the most loving way possible I love that because I feel like we kind of have conflated self-care to this point of like no return, which like part of me is like, I get it because everyone's going to have a different definition of how they care for themselves. But you have to realize how introspective self-care is. Like it isn't really about like, oh, that works for someone else. It should also work for me. It might. And it's great when people give examples of like ways they care for themselves. But the way that I care for myself is going to look so different because I'm so different from you. And I feel like people don't really think like that as it relates to self-care. Yeah. My experience of it has been that there's a lot of like formulas and you should be doing this thing and you should be waking up at 3.47 a.m. to do this exact Thing and you should buy this product. And if you buy this product, you'll feel cared for. And like, that wasn't what was actually true to my experience. It was when I started to be in conversation with myself and understand what I needed in a moment or in a season of my life. Cause that's the other thing too. Self-care isn't really one or one and done because we're humans who are always changing and evolving. Yeah. So in this current season of your life, what does self-care look like for you? Because I feel like understanding that as listeners will help when I ask you some of the other more like nitty gritty questions. Yeah. So 
I, uh, if I go back to this definition of self-care as listening within and responding in the most loving way possible, I find that when I listen within, what I'm needing a lot of is like to start my day on the right foot. And the right foot for me is turning inwards and moving my body. I recently got diagnosed or somewhat recently got diagnosed with ADHD. And so I realized that it's generally bad for people to like wake up and look at their phone first thing in the morning. It's really bad for me. I also deal with anxiety. It tends to make me more anxious. So on like my ideal morning, I'm getting up, I'm moving my body, I'm meditating first thing before I'm hearing from other people. Now, do I do that perfectly every single day? Absolutely not. But that's been really vital to like, move some of this anxious energy through my body at the beginning of the day has been really useful. And then the other thing that I'll say is, I, this is almost more community care, but really leaning on my community. There's so much that goes into launching a book and I'm an introverted person. And so I need to make sure that the people in my life and that I have people in my life who can like support me as I'm doing this thing that's taking a lot of energy in ways that I don't necessarily use it all of the time. So that's like my partner, my therapist, my coach, those types of people and my friends. Yeah. When you find yourself sort of like falling away, because you mentioned like, I can't do this perfectly every day. And I think that's something a lot of people struggle with, like, or when you first go to college or when you have a big life change and you move, like when you find yourself sort of like slipping away from your self-care habits, are you like, wake up one morning and realize like I've felt like shit this week because I haven't been caring for myself in the way that makes the most sense. How do you recommend like getting back on track? Yeah. So it's totally normal. That's the first thing is that I would be like, this is normal because either you're changing or your circumstances have changed. So you might need to redefine what self-care looks like for you in any given moment. So that's always my first reminder is like, not making it mean anything that this isn't working for me anymore, because that's just kind of like kicking yourself while you're down. You're already not feeling good. Why are you going to beat yourself up for not practicing self-care the right way? After that, I tend to go to my take care assessment, which you can take for free on my website. It's also the basis of the book. And it's like 75 questions. And it's a really great check-in with yourself. I'm actually going to take it for myself later the day because I try and take it every three to six months. And answering those questions, even before I get the results, it's like, oh, that's an issue right there. Like I'm answering this question, like, do I feel like I'm taking up space? And I'm answering it, no. Oh, okay, maybe there's an issue where I'm making myself small in certain relationships and that's really infecting my ability to be feel cared for. Um, so that's one of the tools that I use. It also gives you three practices that you can do based on your results. But I find that for myself, I almost just naturally realize, oh, these are some places I need to build out some self-care because these are the places where I'm struggling the most right now. Yeah, I took it before logging onto the call. And for those of you guys who don't know exactly what it is, basically it's just, like she said, 75 questions and you go through it and then it gives you like, it emails you a little like 10 page breakdown of like, kind of like the over under of how you're feeling and how you answered and kind of like some ideas, options, whatever. It's really thorough, which I loved. And you're so right when you say that, like when I was taking it, I was realizing things like when I got my results, I wasn't like, oh my God, waiting on my results. Like kind of like when you take like the Harry Potter sorting hat thing, like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I already kind of know what the vibe is going to be. And this is just going to consolidate it and put it all in one place for me. Yeah. Like it's so much. And 
so much of my work is not about me telling you, here's exactly what you need to do. It's about creating space so that you can hear from yourself. Because exactly like what you were saying earlier, there's so much noise. And I'm also a podcast girly. I have a podcast. I love listening to podcasts. I love feeling like I'm developing myself. And also, sometimes we get so, like we turn up the volume so loud on everyone else that it's hard to hear from ourselves. And so I want to create things that help you hear from yourself and connect to yourself. I love that. You're so right. So can you speak to the book a little bit? That's It's so exciting. I'm really excited to read it. I feel like we all need it. But tell us a little bit about like the inception of the book, what it's about, all the good stuff. Yeah. So the book really builds on the take care assessment. And I built that assessment like the second or third week of COVID where I was like, I don't necessarily want to be on Zoom teaching all the time, but people need self-care more than ever. What is a resource that I could create that's kind of scalable that like people could do? Like you took that assessment. I didn't need to be there to help you with it. And that's how the assessment came to be. And then the book kind of builds on that because I love teaching workshops. I love working with coaching clients one-on-one. And again, like I am one person and I am one introverted person, so I can't work with everyone. And the book helps you build on your results and it's kind of choose your own adventure. So the first half of the book talks a lot about like my perspective on self-care and hopefully gives you a lot of permission to stop beating yourself up for, again, not practicing self-care the quote unquote right way. And then the second half of the book, depending on your results, has these different practices and tools and pieces of inspiration that you can work with in whatever area of self-care you need to focus on. So we talk about five dimensions of well-being, physical, energetic, mental, and emotional, which is one, wisdom, and bliss. And then there's 14 sub-dimensions underneath all of those. And so the book really builds those out and again, invites you to work with them in your own life. That's so exciting because I feel like Gen Z loves a workbook. Like we love like a way, like a half journal, half book that really like guides you because journaling is so lucrative, but it can also be so difficult without a guide. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you're just like staring at the blank page and you're like, what do I write? I will say that one of my favorite journaling practices to do is to almost like interview myself. So I'll Mm -hmm. be like, I'm mad right now. And then I I will either write it down or I'll just think, okay, like, why am I mad right now? And then I'll write it down and I'll treat it almost like I'm interviewing myself. And it's really cool to see like how stuff will come out instead of just staring at the blank page and being like, what am I supposed to write? Yeah, that's a really good one. I'm going to take that one and run with it. So I want to talk a little bit about people who are like skeptical of like self-care, specifically those who would say like, oh, it's just another capitalist scheme. And I think for me, like a lot of times I do purchase things as a way to care for myself. If it's like, I know that I love a spa night in, like I know that I love to do like a skincare routine and a sheet mask and like put on my spa music and like have my lavender pillow spray. And like that sometimes requires a purchase or two. What? How do you respond to people who would say that or or would just be, kind of skeptical in general. Yeah. Part of me wants to be like, you're right. Like, so on one hand, everyone needs to care for themselves. Everyone deserves to feel cared for, period. And also there is this huge industry that has made billions of dollars of 
off of telling us that we don't look good enough, that we're not pretty enough, that we need to change these things in order to get better and like capitalizes because that's what capitalism does, like capitalizes off of either real problems that we have in our life or causes us to perceive problems that aren't necessarily there. So there is some validity in that critique. And also, I don't think self-care has to be that way. Like, I've committed my career to helping people redefine what self-care can look like in their life. And for me, I find that there are certainly things that I buy. Like, I just took a bath last night. You were talking about lavender. I had my lavender bath salts. It was so lovely. And so many of the things that I do for self-care cost zero dollars or very few dollars. And so for the person that's like, this is just a capitalist scam, I would really invite you to like go back to the way that I'm defining self-care, listening within and responding in the most loving way possible and challenge yourself to find ways to respond with love that don't cost a lot of money. Now, again, I'm not saying it's always bad to treat yourself. I don't really believe in that binary thinking, but I think we've been so conditioned to think self-care equals spending money and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, that's so true. I feel like it's especially like a TikTok plague where like sometimes TikTok's like really heading in the right direction with something like encouraging people to take care of themselves, but then like goes left when it was like heading right and it was like almost right. I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're so close. And now we're like telling people to spend hundreds of dollars. Yeah. No, it's, it's hilarious in a bad way. So I'm curious if somebody's like, I am starting from scratch. I took your quiz, the assessment. What do I do now? Like, what do you say to those people who are like, I did the assessment and now I'm looking at the results and I'm like, what the hell's next for me as it relates to caring for myself? Yeah. Great question. So three things. First, there are those practices in the that come in the assessment. So you can try those. And even if you don't love them, a lot of times when we try something that doesn't feel great, it points us into something that could feel good or feel better for us. Uh-huh. So that's one thing. Step two is I would encourage you to try and like find some space to hear yourself. So spend one less minute scrolling through TikTok or listening to a podcast and try to hear from yourself, whether that's through journaling, whether that's just through sitting in silence. But it's so interesting the things that start to bubble up when you give yourself space to listen. It's almost like your thoughts, your feelings, and emotions are like, finally, we've been trying to get your attention, but you weren't listening. Absolutely. I've literally, I cannot express to you how much that's good to hear because I had gotten into a place like being that I work for myself and I'm a big walker in New York city. Like I try not to take, like I'll take the subway, but I'm a big walker. Like I, cause I work for myself, I can really carve out my own schedule. And if I have time, I will walk to wherever I'm going. And I got in a habit of just podcast after podcast. And I wouldn't even really be listening to the content. Like just having someone else's voice, almost that I like wouldn't have to spend time alone. And I I had to stop myself where I'm like, okay, you can listen to like one a day. Cause I was on like four a day. Like I was going crazy with it. Yeah, I have been there. And that's like part of why I offered that advice because the people listening to your podcast, the people who are listening to podcasts in general, the people who would take the assessment, like tend to be the type of people who 
are interested in improving themselves, but sometimes we decouple that from getting to know ourselves. And Mm -hmm. I really think that the only way you're truly going to like do self-improvement, even though I don't even fully believe in that term, is by getting to know yourself and what works for you. And that's the third thing that I would offer is like, start experimenting with things and don't go too crazy. Don't be like, I've never meditated a day in my life and now I'm going to meditate for an hour a day or I've never journaled and now I'm going to journal 10 pages a day. Take it really small. Like, can I write three things that I'm grateful for? Can I sit with myself for a minute? Like I'm rebuilding my meditation practice right now. I'm starting with five minutes a day and those five minutes are hard. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm trying to start it too. I met a girl who's like an expert meditator recently and she told me to download the Calm app and it's 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 gone cold on my phone, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But every morning I'm like, I'll do it today. But maybe you just gave me the push I needed. Maybe I'll do it today. Yeah, and like start super, super small. I really like Insight Timer. Speaking of things that like don't have to cost a lot of money, Insight Timer is free and their freemium or their free is pretty like, robust. There's a lot that you can get for free. And the thing that I use the most is literally the timer. So it like plays a bell when my five minute starts and it plays a bell when my five minute ends. And you can set a timer for like two minutes and you know, like you're not, sometimes I'll try not to have the timer. And then the whole time I'm like, has it been three minutes? Has it been 10 minutes? And I can't concentrate. So that's supportive for me to know that I will know when it's over. Amazing. So I want to talk about ADHD a little bit because I was diagnosed as a kid, but didn't really like do anything about it. I was the quintessential case, like high functioning, smart, like really on her toes, energized, like eldest daughter. So like a lot of people thought that like my lack of focus was just like a, like something that I was like a flaw of mine. Like, oh, she just has trouble focusing. Not that it was like an actual diagnosis. And so I got like reassessed as an adult and I'm navigating that now. So I'm curious if you can tell me a little bit about of like how you've made this your superpower, as you say, because like I look at it as like, God, I can't even focus on a conversation. So how have you made ADHD your superpower? I think a big thing, and this is a mindfulness concept, is just awareness and acceptance that this is something that is a part of me. Um, And I got diagnosed, I just turned 30 a few months ago. And I got diagnosed when I was 29. So I lived like my whole life, literally just thinking all of these things that I did were just quirks and then realizing, oh no, my brain legitimately works differently. And how can I be supportive of my brain instead of trying to focus on making my brain work like everyone else? So I have leaned into this mix of like having structure so that I can play within the structure. Cause like our ADHD brains, we love novelty. We love like having the dopamine hits, having things feel a little bit new for us. And also we thrive with structure. So even the way I approach my routines and rituals, it's like what needs to happen in order for me to feel supported in the morning and then allowing myself to choose within that. So I have to move my body. Today I did a HIIT workout. Yesterday I did a yoga workout. I Tomorrow I might only stretch because I feel like I'm going to be really sore tomorrow. So I have choices within that. And then I also need to reflect. It could be meditation. 
It could be journaling. It could be writing three things that I'm grateful for. So allowing for that, like giving myself, it's almost like a playground. And there's actually research that shows that like kids do better on playgrounds where there's fences rather than when there's not. And it's kind of like, okay, we know what we can play within. And that's what I need to give my brain. The other thing is that the way my ADHD manifests is that I can hyper-focus on things. And so really allowing myself to lean into that. Again, I every day I try to have a list of like, what is the bare minimum that needs to get done? And then yeah. I also notice, what am I the most excited about today? And can I get through the bare minimum? So I can just like, I can build a website. I can design a business. I can do stuff that like, people would take weeks on. I can do that in a matter of hours. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. You just have to reframe it a little bit. Like this is something that's actually kind of dope about me. Instead of I suck. (laughs) Like just positive talk is so healthy. And the last thing I'll say has been like, it's been really, it's taught me a lot about community care and asking for support. So like, I actually did not do that when I walked in the door, but normally I text my husband where we parked because we live in the city. We have like permit parking in our area. And especially on days when I'm like, I'm going to the office and I'm coming home and then I'm going here, I can forget where I parked for like the night. And then I'll just be wandering around our neighborhood looking for the car. So now I text my husband to say, hey, here it is. Or I'll ask a friend like, hey, can you remind me this thing? And it's this reminder that like, We don't have to do things all alone. And that is also a superpower. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about community care? I'm not sure that everybody like understands fully what it is. If you could define it and then like explain it a little bit, because I really loved kind of like coming to terms with asking for help. I mean, I struggle with it for sure. And I think it is my ADHD where like, not only do I think I can complete everything by myself, I almost want to. Cause I love being in control, which is like an anxiety thing. And even yeah. my boyfriend sometimes will be like, well, how can I help you? And I'll just say, oh, you can just be there for me. And it's like, well, he's asking, how can I help you? Because if I say, you know how you could help me? Like if the dishes from last night's dinner, I'm not going to get to them. I know I said I was, you could help me by getting to those for me. Like there's the, the world in which that I can actually ask for something tangible. So can you explain a little bit about community care and kind of its importance and, and why you've made it a part of like your routine. So community care is hugely important, especially those of us who have grown up in the West or like America, Europe, other Westernized countries. I, man, I wish I would have started leaning into community care sooner because like you said, we are so conditioned to be like, we're independent people, we're independent women, we've got it, we can do it on our own. Or if we're also anxious people, I can control everything on my own, even if that's making me overwhelmed. And like community care is how everyone's ancestors lived. Like they didn't just live in this self-contained, like it's just me and my immediate family, or it's just me and my person or my people. It was, we live in this community and we're giving and we're receiving and we're exchanging depending on our ability and our gift. And so community care, I do think about it really similarly to the definition that I use for self-care. And, but instead of listening within, you're listening to the people that you are in community with and you're responding in the most loving way possible. So community care for me looks like 
So community care, the way that it looks for me right now is a lot of work around communication. Like you said, talking to your boyfriend and being like, actually, you could do the dishes. Or for me, it's being really clear on like figuring out first what I need and defining that because sometimes we can't ask for help because we don't really understand what we want or what we need. So that's a lot of work that I'm doing of like, what do I need in this situation to feel supported and cared for? Then asking, is that something I need to give to myself? Or is that something that I need to ask someone else to give to me and to support me on? And again, we're when we're doing this in relationships, it's like an exchange. So we are able to ask for the support that we need. And then hopefully the person that we're in relationship is also asking too. And it's this beautiful giving and taking. And instead of it being like, I am on my own. I have to do everything by myself. It's only self-care and you do your self-care and it's completely separate. We're able to see how me supporting you helps you support yourself, which helps you support me. And it's this beautiful cycle. Yeah, that's awesome. So with all of this, like you're a business owner, you're an author, like you have so much sort of like autonomy and you sit in a place where you're like really helping people and you have a voice that's like been heard by so many. How are you navigating these spaces as a woman? Because I feel like so often people will like discredit uh, women for like having strong opinions and values on something or will like kind of just look at them and be like, eh, like that's, I'm not going to take that seriously. Like how are you navigating these spaces and succeeding in them? Yeah, this is such a good question. And it's honestly something that I feel like I'm learning more about every single day. So when I first started, wellness is a space that has a lot of women in it. Um, Not necessarily as many Black women. Well, I won't even say that. I think that it can, fewer Black women make it to like the highest levels of wellness if if there were levels, if someone was mapping them out. I'll say, especially in the work that I do in corporations, I would feel so scared to be like, I'm someone who, even though I just turned 30, like high schoolers the other day thought I was 19. I was like, bro, no, I'm not 19, but also kind of thank you. Um, And so coming into these spaces where I look young, where I am a woman, where I'm talking about a topic that sometimes people just want to write off in general. And so for me, it's been some like really leaning into doing research, getting certifications, getting credentials so that I feel confident in myself so that if someone challenges me, I'm like, no, I actually read a study on that. Or no, I've worked with people and I've seen them get this result. That's been really useful for me. It's also, I come back to, I think this is a Dita Von Tees quote. You may have seen it on Pinterest, but it's like, you can be the ripest, juiciest pear on the tree or peach on the tree. And there's always going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. And Mm so people, there are just going to be people who don't like me, people who don't respect me, no matter how many degrees I get, no matter how much work I've done to get to where I am. And if that's how you're coming to the conversation, my work is not for you. My work is meant to be accessible to people. And if you want to like only hear from people who look just like you, other old men, then like, cool, you do that. I'm going to be with the people that I am for. Yeah, that's, that's so empowering. And I'm curious, you mentioned, like, 
you know, there are fewer black women that are able to make it to like the level, the top tier, the level of wellness that is like the epitome. How would you recommend non-black women supporting black women who are in these spaces? Like what are some of the best ways that the listeners can go out and support people not just you, but everybody who's trying to make sort of like a productive name for themselves in this environment. Yeah, I think it's really, I have to do this all all the time, is like auditing who I'm listening to. So Mm -hmm. if you're on TikTok and like everyone who's talking about self-care looks exactly like you or has the exact same experience as you, maybe try and seek out people who have different experiences. I find this myself and I say this in the beginning of the book, like I call out my own privileges. Like, yes, I am a black woman, but I also am married to a man. Both of my parents went to college. I went to college. We have like, we own our place. We have a lot of privilege and I can get into a place where I'm like only speaking to people who also went to college and also make a similar amount of money and these types of things that I have to make sure I'm listening to people who have different socioeconomic backgrounds than me or all of these different things. So I think it's less about specifically like, here's how you support black women and more who is leading the conversations. Oh, I wish I could remember who, who said this first, but it's something like whose imagination are we living in? And so when we're talking about wellness, whose imagination, whose idea of wellness are we living in? And is it just focused on people who look like you? Or is there room for people who have different experiences and skin colors and backgrounds than you do? The other thing too, to go along with that is like, when you are auditing who you're listening to, and you start being intentional and seeking out other voices, the algorithm watch it like they know what you watch. So if you start watching people who do not have your lived experience, they will start serving you those more people that don't have your lived experience. Whereas the algorithm we all know is very whitewashed. It's very privileged. It literally uplifts the societal beauty standard every single time. So if you're actively doing the work, the algorithm will follow suit and will start serving you more of that type of content. But it's like people don't want to do that extra work. Yeah. And I will say that it's not even like a doing like your good deed for the day. It's so valuable. And I have gotten so much value of out of hearing from people who have like different experiences. I remember I can't, I'm not as active on TikTok anymore because I realized like it was getting too much for my ADHD brain that I was like thinking of TikTok all the time. And I was like, I need some space. But when I was really active on TikTok, there was this woman who was like, romanticizing her life as someone who lives like on the poverty line and it was like I'm going to the dollar store to like get my groceries because that's what I can afford and it was so interesting because like that has just that has not been my experience but I learned so much through watching her romanticize her life as she lives it and there are ways that it can inform how we romanticize our own life or how we practice self-care because in a way, like having a different lived experience is almost like a creative constraint. And so how do I want to say this? So like if someone lives in a place where it's snowy all the time and it's always cold in the winter, they probably develop self-care practices that you can do inside that feel really lovely. But if you live in California and it's always sunny, you may never have thought to do those things just because you didn't have to. 
Yeah, you're so right. It's like if if I sat in a room with five people with my same lived experience, I'd walk out of the room learning nothing and I would maybe feel comfortable, but I wouldn't have grown in any way. But if I sat in a room with five people who have a completely different lived experience and we all sort of shared and talked, like we would gain such valuable insight from one another. Yeah, it's really beautiful. So that's something I'm always challenging myself to do on like every topic, like business owners who run different types of businesses than I do people who live in different parts of the world than I do, because it's just easy to get in our bubble. And when we do that, it also expands our idea of what it means to be in community. Yeah, absolutely. So my last question for you is we know you as this like self-care wellness guru, but I want to know something else about you that you maybe don't talk about in the book or in your business or online at all. Like just like a fun fact, something that you absolutely love. It can literally be anything from your favorite television show to a weird quirky thing about you or some experience that you've had that you want to share. I just like to make people full human beings and not pigeonhole you just to your work. I love that. And I don't know if that's an ADHD thing, but I'm like, I like things that are outside of self-care. Like I want people to know other things. I think um, something about me, I think I come across as like very serious because I do care a lot about the work that I do. And I do care about people getting to be feeling cared for, but I'm like, so freaking silly. Like I love to have dance parties when my husband, he's not working from home today. Um, but when I record, I normally record at home instead of at my office because the acoustics are better here. And yeah. like, I will just like go into a, a Beyonce or like the other day I was on the living room floor and I was just doing part of the choreography from WAP because like it was a Tuesday afternoon and why not? So there's a moment when I wanted to be on Broadway as a kid and that is not my ministry anymore, but I live for like a spontaneous performance of anything. Oh my gosh. Do you have like a favorite artist, like a favorite musical artist? I think that... For dancing, for spontaneous dancing, it has to be Beyonce right now, like a renaissance moment. I just, I love it. Um, But also I do love like a good old school Broadway song to just like get my juices going, sing it in the shower, sing it while I'm making a smoothie. Um, Yeah. I knew I loved you because I'm a Broadway girly through and through since day one. Studied theater in college. (laughs) Like it goes way back for me. I love it. Have you seen Six? Because that was my, speaking of hyper-focus, I saw that like three times in less than a month when it was in Chicago. I was obsessed. It's so fun. Yes. I saw it originally when it opened in New York and the producing office, I don't even know if the listeners know this, but the producing office I worked for, I interned for in between my junior and senior year of college um, on Broadway, he produced Six and it was in DVL, like early DVL when I was there because it was supposed to open the day Broadway shut down and then of course got pushed back and I was before COVID and so I like had that inside background sort of like experience with it and can say like it's equally as special like from every step of from every viewpoint wow that's so cool oh yes I yes that's one of there's so many good Broadway shows but I feel like that one is so fun especially for people who think that they don't like Broadway because it's like it's very poppy. It's not that long. Lots of earworms. You'll love it. And it's very like, go women. That's everyone's homework other than taking the assessment. Listen to six. Yeah. Even if you just listen to the album, me and my mom will just put it on. Like she called me the other day and she was like, oh yeah. I was like, 
bored at work. So I put on six and then it just made my afternoon better. And I was like, I love that for you, mom. (laughs) Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can get the book, where they can listen to the podcast, all the good stuff. Yeah. If you go to my website, innerworkout.co, there's a button right there for you to get the book and take the assessment links to the podcast too. I'm on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. I'm also on TikTok at that. But like I said, me and TikTok, some attention issues there. And then inner workouts on Instagram at inner workout. Thank you so much for being here. This was so lucrative. I feel like I learned so much and I can't wait for everyone to start intentionally caring for themselves a bit better. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Bye guys.